to worship at Fusion this morning. We're so glad that you're joining us here in person as well as online. Welcome. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. 
The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy.
it's dark and lonely and crappy in there. So right now I would like to invite the children to meet Mr. Kiegenvelt on the other side over there and you guys get to have your own special time with your time. It's great to see all of them and if some of them want to stay you guys know that it's okay if they stay. They're not a problem to me. I look at it and go, that's life over there. That, that is true life. And they live it. So adults, are we ready? Let's bless our children. The Lord be with you. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your time. This morning for our prayer time, 
um, I really felt God leading me again to the Lord's Prayer. And so we're just going to take our time going through the Lord's Prayer again. I'll put some in. But, you know, this is a time for you guys. I really feel like God is just saying to me, take time for yourself right now. It's okay. There's so much going on in the world. There's so much going on that it's like this is going to be our quiet time just to take time for yourself. So give into it. You know, and I looked at the Lord's Prayer and went, that is such a funny title for this. It's short and sweet. Very nice. But he gave it to us to give back to him. So use these words to give yourself back to him. So let's pray. Our Father who is in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are my Father. You have come. You have saved us. You have, you have given us glorious light to be able to live in. And you're not the Father that sits in heaven looking down on us, but Lord, you gave us the Spirit so we can have the ability to stand up and be strong and tell others of who you are, preparing the way for us. Thank you, Lord, that you are in heaven. Hallowed be your name, O oh, Holy Father. Words can't even begin to describe what I'm thinking, but Lord, you are great. Thank you. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, when I think about that, I, I'm scared because all I know is what I see in front of me. But Lord, you promise us that you are building a place for us. You are making a way for us. So Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Help us to step forward every day knowing that you are in heaven and you've prepared a place for me to step down here on this earth. You've prepared the people to talk to. Help me so that I can be bold, that I can do your will. On earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I know in Matthew, you say to us, what we bind here on earth is bound in heaven and what we loose is loosed. And Lord, that boggles my mind, but yet I'm willing to step forward and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, I step forward boldly saying, yes, Lord, on earth. Lord, give us our daily bread. Lord, it's so much easier to think about the people that are in Ukraine. It's so much easier to think that um, somebody is sick, so yeah, I got to pray for them. But Lord, I feel, I feel angry. I feel lonely. I feel lost. And right now, Lord, my daily bread is just more of you. So, Lord, whatever each one of us needs, bring it to us. 
Help us so that we open our hands and say, yes, Lord, I receive the daily bread that you want to give me today. Lord, forgive me for my debts. Lord, forgive me for the times when I slip and I try and do it on my own. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me so that I can also then step out and forgive the people who have sinned against me. Help me not to hang on to the defense, Lord, as a shield, but Lord, that I lay it down simply out of a love of a father, out of your love, Lord, I can say, help me forgive my debtors because my love isn't enough. Lord, and as we open up ourselves, so that we may be more freely used by you, lead us not into temptation. Lord, with all the media that gets blasted at me, with all the people telling me what I should do and should not do, Help me, Lord, to stay on your path. Firm me up, Lord, so I am not led into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one, Lord. Help us so that we can continue to be strong and firm against the evil because, Lord Jesus, you have died so that I can stand up against evil. Thank you, Lord. Lord, yours is the kingdom. Lord, yours is the power. And Lord, may the glory always go to you forever and ever. Amen. This morning, we have a guest pastor. I know JB was on vacation. And so this morning, I would like to welcome Pastor Daryl to come give us the word. Morning. My name is Daryl Delaney. I am a campus minister at Grand Valley State University. They have a ministry called Campus Ministry. I'm the director of spiritual formation there. And before that, I was pastoring at Madison Square Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I had the privilege of knowing Pastor JB and Yvonne from Western Theological Seminary. 
we went to school together to train to be ministers of the word. And uh, we bonded there. So I just wanted to thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to come in. This pulpit is a very important place. And we know you don't take it lightly um, to have anybody just in this spot to preach God's word. So I'm honored to be here. Uh, I also wanted to thank Pastor Darwin Glassford, the executive pastor here. I met him when he was at Calvin Seminary, and now he's at Kuiper College, where I currently serve on the board. And so um, I could give you a whole resume of things, but just know that I went to school and learned a lot of the stuff I'm getting ready to tell you today. I'm still paying for those things um, because I'm a glutton for punishment educationally. So just uh, a little bit to get uh, comfortable, I am a mobile vocal preacher. So I'm also a preacher who incurs the crowd, the congregation to participate in the message. So if I say amen, you're welcome to say if I say, say praise the Lord, you're welcome to say, if I say hallelujah, you're welcome to say, say amen, amen, say praise the Lord, all right, all right. So that actually helps me to preach more succinctly, um, but if that does not happen, then we might preach for an hour and a half. Um, I figure we get a little participation now. I'm uh, just kidding. Um. I also wanted to, look, see, somebody catching on. Yes, got that pot, got that crock pot running at home. You got to make sure you get back to it. So I also wanted to thank Pastor Sarah. She was uh, actually helping me to get all the things logistically to get together for this. And and appreciate the worship team leading today. So I'm here to bring God's word up. My understanding is you're in the book of Colossians and you're doing a study. So I'm going to pick right up there in chapter 2. Um, and before I do, I'd like to just have a, a Stanford reading of God's word in body or in spirit, if you can do that. Um, the verse comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Where I come from, we stand for the reading of God's word as reverence for him. In the Old Testament, they stood while reading the entire law. And we only have two verses, so I think we'll be okay. All right, hear the word of the Lord from... Colossians chapter 2, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the point you bring us in our walk with you. We just want to stop and acknowledge you as the one being in complete control of every situation. You're not in heaven, twiddling your thumbs, wondering what's going to happen next, but you know exactly what you are doing. You had a date on the calendar for this very moment. You're the author and the finisher of our faith and also the sustainer of it. And you're faithful to complete the work you started in us. God, I wrote some things down here, but if you don't breathe on them, if your spirit does not infuse them with your power, they will be worthless and meaningless. 
So, Lord, send your spirit upon us that this word that comes out of my mouth may be your words and not mine. May everything said and done be pleasing to you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock, my strength, and my redeemer. All these things and other, many other blessings we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So for my Catholic brothers and sisters, I got the genuflect, it, the kneeling. It, it, it's just a reminder that God is greater than I. And every time before I preach, I kneel. Not so that everybody can think I'm awesome because God is awesome. And if he doesn't talk today, there's nothing for anybody to say. And I can just walk out because if the Lord does not do what he does, that's why we're here. We're here for the word of life. So I'm excited to bring that word to you today. So as an introduction, I just want to say, have you ever had a room or a place in your home or somewhere you're trying to keep clean? And for those of you who have kids, you already kind of know where I'm going with this. You clean the room. The room is spotless. Everything is right where it needs to be. It's a place for everything and everything in its place. You leave the room five minutes or less later. You go back in the room and you're like, um, I could have swore I cleaned this room. The little munchkins and sometimes the grown munchkins with gray hairs <laughs> discombobulate the room. It's not as neat and as clean and as tidy as it was a few minutes ago. So you go into this room, you clean it up again, you leave, you come back, and you say, okay, I'm not going to keep doing this. We're going to have to have a conversation with whoever the little people are that mess up this room. So it's interesting that the idea is to set the room the way it's supposed to be. But then when you go back, you find a mess. This is Paul's situation in the Colossian church. He started and planted a church. If you go back to Acts 19, you'll see that he hung out in Ephesus. Okay? Now, Ephesus and Colossae, they're all in the same area, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Okay? Laodicea is over there too. Paul planted a church there. Then he left. He was going to go to Jerusalem. He was going to go to Rome. But he got word from his good old friend Epaphras, who happens to be one of the people he led to Jesus. He preached the gospel. Epaphras was one of these guys who responded to that gospel message, became one of the people who Paul stayed in touch with. So Paul's got ears on the ground over at the church called Colossae. Say amen. amen. So he's got these ears on the ground from Brother Epaphras. And Epaphras is telling him, there's a few messes that, that are here now that probably weren't here when you were here, Paul. We heard the gospel message. We're Christians, but we got a few problems, and we need you to help us clean this up. Everybody say clean up. Clean up. We need your help, Paul. So Paul writes this letter, which is what we're reading here, the book of Colossians. He's reading it. And Paul actually explains the messes that he wants to help clean up in the verses that came right before the ones we read. So allow me to read them for you here. In chapter 2, verse, the first few verses, it says, Paul's talking. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you 
and for those at Laodicea and all of the who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches and complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom all hidden inside of him are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For although I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. And if you know Paul, he usually does that right before he takes you to the woodshed. <laughs> Paul to call all y'all saints. Oh, man, God, I can't think. I thank God for what he's doing in y'all. And then he says, about that issue with your mom, <laughs> about that issue with your, your sisters fighting, about that issue with the, but before all of that, he says, I'm so glad to see what God is doing in you, Right? So, so Paul is explaining, and he gave them three reasons. I don't know if you heard it, but I'm going to review it for you. But if you don't remember anything else I teach today, remember this. This is my big idea. Christ wants us rooted in him. Everybody say that together. Christ wants us rooted in him. If you don't remember anything else I say today, that is the bottom line. Now, Paul, out of that first few verses... Paul gave three things that he wants for them. The first one was to be encouraged and united in love. The second is that he wants them to have the full riches of complete understanding in Christ. And the third is that he doesn't want them to be deceived. So I'll say it again. He wants them to be encouraged and united in love. He wants them to have the full riches of complete understanding in Christ. And then he wants them not to be deceived. Now we're going to take all three of them, but we're going to take them backwards. I'm going to start with the deception first. But let me give you a little bit of background. I was talking about Colossae. Colossae is a predominantly Gentile place. A Gentile is someone who's not a Jew. So Colossae is a place that's kind of, it was really alive and hopping place back in the day. Like I told you, it's in Asia Minor where Turkey is today. It used to be an area of trade and commerce. A lot of places will come through the GNC, the Euphrates River, and they would bring these different merchants and all these things coming in. And then when Laodicea grew as a city, it's like everybody left the, earth, the, the rural area and went to the urban area. So Laodicea is more urban, and Colossae is more rural now because everybody that moved you know how it is when you get a new mall in your area, everybody want to live near the mall? Well, some people want to move away from the mall because they know it's a lot of, going to be a lot of people coming through. But the, the city is on a decline, right? And like I said earlier, Paul had a connection with his friend Epaphras, Epaphras who was telling him what's going on. Now, scholars, they say that there were major problems in this area. There's at least six of them. And... So they call it the Colossian heresy. And heresy is a fancy word for error. So people who are heretics, they've been given these bad names over the years. People, they've been killed, they've been imprisoned and jailed and all this other stuff. But if you look at the word heresy, it's really a person who's trying to figure out what's going on, but they just veer off a little bit. And then they find down the road their way off of what the truth is. So let's just say 
if you have a ship, a big ocean liner, and you turn one degree and you turn off the motor. Well, one degree is not very much in the first half mile or so. But then after a mile or two or three or four, you're way over here drifting. Heresy's that way. It, It has you drifting to a place that you might come to a conclusion that has nothing to do with your course you're supposed to be on. See, the word of God is the course we're supposed to be on. Say amen. amen. Now, sometimes there are things outside of the word that will try to get us to change our degree just slightly. And then down the road, we'll be like, how did I get here? Has that ever happened to anybody? Where the thought was very innocent and it wasn't bad or evil or anything like that. But then you just found out, oh, how did I get here? I think the pandemic did that to a lot of us. I can't speak for all of y'all, but I know some people in college where I'm from who had some shipwrecking moments in the pandemic. And they weren't trying to think heretically. They weren't saying, I'm going to destroy the church or my faith. They just came to some conclusions that were a little bit drifted. These Colossian heresies, these issues, these errors are from people who are trying to seek the truth of God. They just don't have the anchor of, the God, of God's word to hold them. So Paul said he didn't want us to be deceived. That's the first thing. Say amen. So here's one of the problems that they had. This one's called ceremonialism. So if you look at verse 16, to 16 it says, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath day, these are a shadow of the things to come. However, it's the reality is found in Christ. So, so he talks about the new moon, his Sabbath. So that's Jewish stuff. These are Gentile believers. They didn't grow up in Judaism. They, didn't, they don't have all of that. So, so let's just not add this Judaism stuff to the Christian faith, y'all. We don't have to become Jews to become saved. So why are we adding in these extra things if the gospel, raise your hand if you believe the gospel is all you need to be saved. So so why add these extra traditions? Now, I'm not against tradition. I like tradition. I'm against mindless tradition that keeps you from thinking and keeps you just doing it because we do it. I'm against that kind of tradition. I'm not against tradition per se, because tradition is something that we inherited as a faith, and it's beautiful, but if you don't think anymore, and if you just do it because you do it, and you don't even know why you do it, that's a problem there. These guys are saying, you got to keep the festival. You got to keep the new moon. You got to be circumcised. Now, ain't no Gentile trying to hear being circumcised. Mm -mm. Gentiles, because... The circumcision happened eight days old for infants, okay? That was the sign of the covenant for Jewish kids. But if you're an adult Gentile and they don't have no anesthesia, hello, you're not trying to hear nobody talk to you about circumcision. That's not happening, okay? But you don't need that to be a Christian because Paul says later in the letter, your heart has been circumcised by Christ. That's more important. So anyway, this ceremony, that's one of the the false teachings that they had. Now, I was trying to figure out what today, what today is kind of related to those kinds of things. Um, 
I think that religious legalism is one of the things that today is like that. Where, you know, legalism says we're going to church. And we're going because we're going. And because we always go and we should go, we're going. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. Doesn't matter if my heart's engaged. Doesn't matter if I care if my life will change. But we're going to church because that's what we do. Amen. Ouch. Sometimes we listen to messages, myself included. I, I can't throw stones at y'all. I got a glass house. Sometimes I hear messages, they go in one ear, out the other. Sometimes I don't put them into practice. The Bible says that, well, actually Jesus said this. If you hear my words and put them into practice, you're like the wise person who builds their house on a rock. If, you're, if you don't, if you listen to them and don't put them into practice, now you're foolish. So I don't care how many times I've heard this message, if I am not using the message, then I have not understood the point. And that is convicting to me. I don't want to become the chief of critique of other people's lives that I think aren't doing what should be done in the Christian faith. Because Jesus said, you got to get the plank out of your own eye before you look at the speck in someone else's eye. This is the kind of legalism I don't want to be a part of. Where Jesus kind of, you know, becomes a roommate to you. He's in your life. He's not in control of you. But he's kind of like sitting on the passenger side or whatever. And uh, he doesn't really have a say. And whether he rides with you or not, metaphorically speaking, isn't very important. That is what we don't want to y'all. And Paul is saying, you can't let these festivals and these circumcisions and all this become the main thing. Christ needs to be the main thing. And if he can stay the main thing, then he can help you to not be confused. Here's another thing that he said, asceticism. So look, in verse 20, it says, you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world. So why do you still live like you belong to its rules? Do not handle do not taste, do not touch. He's quoting something that they be saying, they say that all the time. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. So, so according to the false teaching, you're more spiritual if you don't handle that. You're more spiritual if you don't taste that, if you don't touch that. that then you're, you're more holy than everyone else. That's a false teaching. That's a false teaching. So when I was a kid, my mom used to do this. There was a tradition where there is a specific meal that you eat on New Year's Day. In the meal, there were black-eyed peas and greens and things of that nature. And I said, what does this mean? Because I'm a kid. I don't understand what this special meal is. She's like, this meal is going to be something that brings luck. Black-eyed peas, they're for luck. Greens are for money in your bank account. This year, and, and, and on New Year's Day, when the countdown is happening, have some money in your hand when the countdown happens. Anybody ever heard this? This is kind of strange, right? Everybody has weird traditions that they don't really talk about that don't make it to the pulpit. Okay? I don't. Now, my mom, she said since then, she doesn't do that anymore. She's a holy and saved Christian. Hallelujah. But there are some holy and saved Christians who got some strange traditions 
in the church of God. I know. And, and so this was a thing that she added. She thought that was going to help God help her. There are things that we often do that actually, actually we think we helping God help us. So, so say prove it. Say prove it. In the book of Genesis, we got Adam and Eve, right? Chapter 3, the serpent is saying, hey, God's not, he's, you're not going to surely die if you eat the fruit. And then he's talking to Eve. Serpent's talking to the people. It's weird. But nobody pays attention to that. Okay. So <laughs> Eve says, God tells us not to eat from the fruit. He did say that. He also said don't touch it or we'll die. He didn't say the touch part. She helped God help right then. Because God didn't tell her not to touch it. He said, don't eat that. She added, don't touch it. Maybe it was for her. But either way, she messed it up. She ended up touching it. The point is, she helped God help. These false teachings that they're getting in Colossae, they're trying to help the spiritual walk. But these aren't helping at all. They're, they're not helping at all. These people are worshiping angels. I know that sounds strange. Nobody worships angels anymore, do they? Well, I know we worship self. There are people who worship themselves. There is a spirit of pride everywhere. Where number one, I'm looking out for number one. Say prove it. Who knows the song I did it my way? Frank Sinatra. Okay, little kids, Google it because... You got to go on YouTube and find it. It's old. But the point is, he's like, I did it my way, okay? And, and there's a lot of songs and a lot of movies and a lot of media and a lot of things that are pumping into everybody who watches or listens that I am the most important person in my universe. And the world revolves around me. There are people who sit in job interviews and look at the interviewer. They're looking to get a job from it and thinking, I can do that job better than you. I could do that. And they don't want to take instruction. They don't want to be corrected. People get offended easily. They get hurt. They don't want you to say, hey, that, you're not doing that correctly. And get offended because self is more important. It's kind of crazy. So, so that's one of the issues they had. They're putting value in someone else other than Christ. That's a problem. Because Christ is the center of everything. So why put value, more value into the created things than the creator of things? That should not happen. Not with angels, not with people, anything. Nothing they did was they, they kept bringing Christ's value down. So they have this teaching. It's called uh, Gnosticism. Gnosticism, G-N, O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, Gnosticism. It's like two aspects to it. One is the material world is bad, including flesh and body and anything you see. That's all bad. The spiritual invisible things in your, in your soul, that's good. And the ultimate freedom for a Gnostic is for you to escape this bodily prison and get out of here. All right? And that's one aspect. And the other aspect has to do with secret knowledge. Okay, you know what you need to know to be a Christian, but there's a deeper level that you're missing. And if you don't get that, 
you're missing it. That's the two aspects of Gnosticism. In this time period, Gnosticism wasn't fully blown yet. The seeds of it are being sown. And it is actually a horrible threat to the Christian faith in the first and second century. It almost took the Christianity out of here. That's how it grew like a pandemic. It was crazy. Um, but there is Paul saying, nah, I'm going to correct that for you. He corrects it in chapter 1, verse 15, where he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him in bodily form. They're like, what? Bodily form? Why would anybody want to? We're trying to get out of these bodies. He's like, no, no, no. Car incarnation. 100% God in body. Take that, Colossians. He is in full bodily form. All God's fullness dwells in Christ. So don't, don't try to give yourself this fake teaching about how he needed to escape the body and all this. No, he took the wounds on the cross. He died. He is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Christ. Amen? So the second thing he wants them to know, he's, he wants them to have the full riches of complete understanding. When you have the full riches of complete understanding, you understand who Christ is. You understand what Christ has done for you. And if you understand that, you don't need to get caught up in human tradition, philosophy, these, these um, super sophisticated sounding arguments. Paul says that those regulations have an appearance of wisdom, but their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body lack value. Okay? So, I think about the self-help industry. There's a lot of self-help books out here. Now, I'm cool with the how-tos. I'm cool with learning new things. But what I'm not cool with is that the undergird of some of this stuff is that you will be a person of value you will be special. You will be somebody you will have uh, worth if you do these things, if you influence everybody, if you get everybody to like you, if you learn how to sell things or whatever these things are. The problem with the self-help industry is that self needs more help than self can give self. I said self needs more help than self can give self. We need help outside of self to get self together. And that help comes from our God. And the identity, the value, the status, the worth, we have that in Christ already. So my grandmother, she used to do this. She used to say, has anybody seen my glasses? Has anybody seen my glasses? I, and she would come up to me and say, I know you. You a prankster. You did something with my glasses. I know it. She's looking at me and I'm looking at her. I'm looking up here. And I'm like, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but they're on your head, Grandma. Oh, my, they're on your head. Um, you have what you have been looking for. You already possess what you are looking for. Christ has given us identity, status, worth, love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, in here, why go out there looking for what we already have? It's not in a book on a bestseller list. It's in here, and it's in Scripture. Say amen. amen. Christ has given us what we need. 
And if we understand the full riches of complete understanding that Paul is saying, then we will realize that we have our status as forgiven children of God because of Christ's finished work. And that won't need to be added to. That cannot be taken from. No matter what this world is doing, we have what we need. Amen? So the last thing is that he wants them to be encouraged and united. See, the heresy, it divides. Because some people are thinking we're better than you, you're better, you think you're better than us, and we get to infighting, and f you can't be on the same team if you're fighting each other. Say prove it. Prove it. Jesus said this, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So if everybody's arguing or everybody's like blaming and pointing fingers and making each other the problem, I would love for us to take this unity spirit into synod this year. We need it. And we don't need it just as synod, y'all. We need it in our homes. We need it in our schools. We need it in our community. We need it in our families. If we understand that Christ is sufficient, that he's enough, that he's done the work, that he is the one that gives us our value, that we don't need to do anything but receive his grace as a gift, then we would be able to admit that our attempts to achieve our own righteousness are not enough. There's no need for that because Christ is everything we need. He is the one that fulfilled every legal requirement. Say, prove it. He did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He said that. And that means that he dotted every I and crossed every T according to the legal requirements of what the law did. And he did it perfectly. He batted a thousand. He got an A plus. So why do we need to strive for, to get what we already have? He gave us the benefit of him living the perfect life. He gave that to us. He who was righteous became a sinner so that we who were sinners could become righteous. He didn't exchange with us, y'all. He paid the debt that we incurred with our sinful lives. He paid that. He gave us a new life, y'all. He gave us a new attitude. He gave us a new heart. And now we have a relationship with God. We are called to therefore represent him everywhere we go, in our homes, in our schools, in our extracurricular activities, in our social media accounts. Did you know he's reading feeds? He reads them all. Be careful what you post because he's paying attention. Just, this, just, this is a litmus test for those of you who love social media or not love it but just own it a lot. If he scrolled up here everything you did and said, in front of everybody, would you be proud, embarrassed, excited, nervous? The thought of that makes me cringe. Like, ooh, everything? I mean, he can see it all. That's my point. But we're called to represent him there. If we could be a light in that digital dark place, then he could be honored by what we post. Right? We are called to be disciples who make disciples. He has given us discernment to see what is godly and what is not. And Paul wrote the letter in Colossae to remind them of who they are, 
who Christ is and because Christ is who he is and because Christ has done what he has done, we live a certain way. We live out of gratitude for what he has done. We are unashamed to share our faith. We don't let these other things come in and try to move us off course. We allow God's true north to guide our hearts and we point everybody else to the true north. He's the one. He's the way. He's the truth. He is the life. Not just one among many. The one. Christ is. And we're not apologizing for that. And we're not stuttering about it. Because it is the truth. So Paul wrote this letter to so that they would not be deceived. Because he wanted them to have the full reach, riches of their complete understanding in Christ. And he wanted them to be encouraged and united. Why? Because Christ wants us rooted in him. Are these plants real? That's an insult to ask planters if they're real. So look, my wife, she's more of a green thumb than me. So she, I'm the guy who gets the plant down from the high place because I'm tall. And I, I, if she says water, I water it. But if she didn't say that, then they'd probably be brown in a day because I don't. I don't pay attention. I'm not good at it. So my point is this. The plants are rooted. They have good soil. And she knows how to make them come back, even if they start wilting. She knows how to make them come back. One time I seen her take a piece of this leaf from this plant, put it in with this plant, and make the whole thing grow. She literally engrafted one piece of another plant into this one. And then the one that was dying came back. Uh, this looked like magic to me. I'm like, I don't know how she did it. She watching YouTube or what? I don't know. <laughs> but she took a plant that was healthy. She engrafted it into a, a plant that was unhealthy. And in that soil, it began to grow. What am I saying to you? We are now rooted in Christ. And he's the healthy plant. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you are in me and I'm in you, you will bear fruit. We have been engrafted into the family of God. It's in Galatians. And now because we have been engrafted, we were dying. We were dead. And he brought us back. And we've been planted in good ground. This place, Harderwick, Fusion, this is good ground. Plant here. And watch God bear fruit in your lives. Bloom where you are planted, rooted in Christ. The truth, the life, the way. When you are rooted in him, it might be a little bit of rain. It might be a little bit of storms. There might be a couple of days when your soil feels drier than it should. But you are engrafted and connected to the vine. The divine vine. And because of that, you will bear fruit. Will the wind blow in your life? Yes. Will it be the days where the sun is really hot? Yes. Will it be days when it's really cloudy? Yes. Will it be days when you feel parched and you don't have enough water? Yes. But you will not die because you are connected to the root. That's Christ. Amen. The problem with heresies is that we believe them because we think they'll make us who we are. And our practices often follow what we believe. But if we're rooted in Christ, we will not be deceived by any of these heresies. And we'll be united in courage and fulfilled in every way. Amen?
Just a question to ponder before I close. Actually, two of them. As we prepare our hearts for communion, which comes after this, what in our hearts and lives need to be uprooted? That is not what God wants there. That's a tough question. I want you to take it into the week with you and pray about it. And then how can what we believe about Christ's person and work be deeper rooted in us, in our hearts and our lives, and in our actions? How can what we believe about Christ's person and work go deeper rooted in us to the point where Jesus matters as much as the air we're breathing? How does Jesus become central to our very lives? That's not something we can do on our own. But as a family of God, we can do that together. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. We pray, Lord God, that it plants seeds, it waters seeds. But if there's any increase, may you get the glory from that. Prepare our hearts now for communion as we remember the ultimate sacrifice you've given for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we seek to be more rooted in Christ, we come to the table of remembrance, communion, and hope. And this morning, once again, we have two stations, one on each side. You will be given a piece of bread. Take a cup and partake right at that time. There's also a gluten-free option in the back for those who need it. And if you desire to stay at your seat, you can raise your hand and someone can bring the communion elements to you. Please pray with me. Holy God, we come before you acknowledging that we are in need of grace that only you can provide. Thank you for the sacrifice and resurrection of your son and for the tangible reminder communion provides. In you, we put our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. At the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. So whenever we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we are reminded that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. So at this time, I invite the servers to come forward. This table is for all who believe in the Lord Jesus as Savior and desire to live in obedience to him. Come, for all things are now ready.
So we're getting ready to go on from here. So I would like to give you the blessing before we go. This is how it works. It comes from God through the preacher to you. It's spoken over your life so you can make a difference out there in the real world. It's a blessing and not a prayer. So with every head up, every eye open, and every hand open, receive it like this, like a gift. Because that's what it is. Here it comes. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God smile upon you and give you God's peace. Go forth in the knowledge that God the Father loves you. That Jesus Christ has redeemed you. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to be rooted and grounded in him and to let other people know that there is a root for them as well. Amen. Amen. Go in peace and love and serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now on a throne of majesty, the 